three, two, one. Hi, I'm Luke Campbell, and I work for a small wine company, and he's Luke Morris, and he works for a... Different New, wine company. Different yeah. wine company. And together we are Luke's Talk Wine, talking all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. Hey, Campbell. How how has your hiatus been? Uh, terrific. I have been off the grid Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to the listening audience. Welcome to season four, episode. Don't, 12. don't want to talk about where you went. Do you? You went off the grid for a little while. Was it sounds like you were trying to evade capture something? Well, <laughs> I was trying to evade capture by the wine police, I guess. The wine police, <laughs> which we can talk about. But this is season four, episode twelve, and this afternoon. And we have got a fun-filled episode for you. It's the first well, episode. Listen, imagine the wine police would be very uh, drunk poor. and chasing you. Anyway. Chasing me down the beaches. But this afternoon's episode is fun and it is featuring some fun wine facts. I will be hitting Luke Morris up for some of his fun wine facts because people tout wine facts all over the joint. This this afternoon, we'll give you a couple of fun ones. We'll also talk in where do you drink wine or where have you drunk wine? Uh, recently, I've spotted people drinking wines in unusual places, but does it affect your palate? How does it affect your palate? Where do you drink wine? I'll be asking those questions shortly. And also, we have a question actually, uh, which is... It's from thinking. It's uh, this is from deep thinking. Ian in Dover Heights. Dover Heights is in Sydney. Listener question this week, and I've been sitting on it for a while, but it's new to Luke Morris. Is if wine is subjective and art is for the culture, which is easier to understand, wine or art? We will be drilling down on that, and if we've got time. Luke Morris, I'll be talking about what we've been drinking. Luke Morris, where are you at? So I'm just giggling. I've got my hand, my head in my hands, laughing at that question. <laughs> that is, uh, <laughs> listeners, if you want to stick through to the end of this, I'll tear shreds of that question. That's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> Do you know what's so, so, Ian, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening, Ian. What a nincompoop. Oh, yeah. um, what's, so, do you know what else is stupid? You, you. I sent a message in the group chat last night that um, I, was, I was walking past the wine fridges at, 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 a, at a convenience store and I saw a bottle of Snoop Dogg Rosé. And I thought, oh, my God, Snoop mm. Dogg has joined the 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 wine yeah, cultured uh the the wine culture and created a rose that's incredible i took a photograph sent it to you and you slammed me for being in a uh in a, in a store that would stock it <laughs> i thought what kind of wine wankerish crap is this luke campbell on about like you can't <laughs> even just enjoy the fact that snoop dog gets into wine you're like you shouldn't even be inside that kind of store like what are you 
What is it, Deal Camel? <laughs> Have you even had the wine? It might be great. I haven't had it. I didn't buy it. It looked like shit. But it was only fifteen dollars. I could have splurged. Why? What's wrong with people well, just the great, looking at uh, wine? When I was <laughs> when I was studying many moons ago, actually, the great Tim White, uh, who is a British slash Australian wine writer, gave me the tip, and I'm sure I've discussed it on this program before never buy wine with flora nor fauna on the label so snoop dog i'm not buying it (laughs) (laughs) i am not buying it i tell you uh celebrity collaborations in in wine whether australian or not don't usually go that well whether you're greenwashing like gwyneth paltrow or you know you're Greg Norman shark wines. I, I don't know. Greenwashing is a thing. I'm not sure that these celebrity collaborations go down that well. Um, oh, but it's like releasing yeah, a perfume. So, uh, like you're not really like it's you know perfume. You're not really smelling what David Beckham smells like. You're not really drinking. Hey, what hey, hey, dog hey, hang on, like. people. Like, people want to smell like VB. Come on. Don't be knocking out their perfumes. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, look, they're all just sort of, sort of marketing brands. It's the, you know, Snoop Dogg's on the label for the exact reason of some dopey bloke like me walks past and stares at that and thinks, that's a, that's a bit of fun. And, you know, I wasn't tempted enough to buy a bottle, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people who would be. And therefore, that moves some units, and therefore they get some cash. I don't believe that Snoop Dogg has gone to the south of France and just fallen in love with, <laughs> with the culture of Provence. <laughs> like I'd love to with think the Grenache of and yeah. Rolay vines. Jiggy Riggy uh, with the no, chateau. I don't believe so. Is is down amongst the chateaus. <laughs> Pavonciazi, I don't know. What's it? What's how, how does he speak? Um, He's got lingo. Yeah, I don't have the lingo, but I know plenty of people. This rose has plenty of swept up in the, the... Sorry, talking over you there. They were uh, they were swept up with the uh, stories of rebellion and juicy fruit to get you going when Snoop Dogg was out here last year promoting it. But I agree with you. I don't reckon he's been Snoop Dogg in his way through the vineyards of Provence. Um, oh, and could hence, you imagine him and you know, spitting it out? And Grimes, Just, Rose. Oh, no. Imagine him doing some tasting samples. Oh, this is a good barrel. God. <laughs> Just... um, it's a good sight, though. Have you had it? And... You haven't had it. No, mate, I, I haven't had any of those wines, no, um, for obvious reasons. Um, does, he ha- does he have more than one? Yeah, I just, I've got nothing. Yeah, okay. no, he's got a suite of them. They're called, um, yeah, they're called, they're called uh, yeah, uh, Night to Crimes, that's it. And he's got a red, a white, a rosé. He might even have a sparkling, I, I don't know. Oh, there's four crimes right there. Yeah, exactly. You better believe it, mate. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's a wonder. But you're right; they're preying on people who's buying wines on labels, and 
Oh, geez. Let's hope they sell heaps and we get to pump off all of our rubbish red to overseas markets or or discerning young drinkers who just buy for the hype. Is it made in California? It's less rubbish wine you and it's less you and less rubbish wine you and I've got to drink. Uh, I think the rosé and the reds are made here, and the whites, the sparkling, the white wine are made overseas out of oh, yeah, right. out of Cali. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Right, you learn something. Anyway, new that's enough about rubbish rubbish wines on this. We've never talked about rubbish wines on this program, so we're not talking about them now. They're more fun. <laughs> and hang on, remember, like, remember on the hunt for the uh, the unoaked Hortons? Was it Hortons unoaked? What was the bloody unoaked yeah. Chardonnay? Crested yeah, well, at least Wattery? that's a famous brand behind a with a famous family that have been making wines for generations, and you know there's some history there. Snoop Dogg yes. being paid millions of dollars to put his dog on a tucker box on the front, it doesn't mean shit. Pardon my English listeners. Oh, I'd drink a tucker box, Rose. That'd be more fun. Anyway, I think you want to change topics. Go on then. It can be really hard to justify opening a bottle of wine from the cellar on a Tuesday night when all you want is one glass. And that's why we've started Unbottled Wines. We're delivering seasonally curated, ultra-premium wines from acclaimed Australian winemakers. These are wines that have never before seen the inside of a box, and may never again. Why a box? Because the box keeps wine fresh for up to 40 days after it's opened, unlike the bottle, which goes off after three or four. So if you would like to be able to drink exceptional wine one glass at a time, check out Unbottled Wines. Use the code VINIFIED at checkout and save 10%. I do. I want to talk about random and fun wine facts because for me, there are people spruik facts about wine and, you know, there are some fun <laughs> facts out there. Like, like typically wine, typically women make and taste wines because they have way better than what men do because they have a better sense of taste and a better sense of smell. And in fact, they have more palate receptors to be able to do so. So that is a great fun fact. Do they really? Not many people know. They do. That's right. Um, Genetic. That's an interesting thing. Why would that? No. The the science behind it is their palate has actually 3,000 more receptors on it than what a male does. Why would would the female of the species need more? I suppose they're protecting children. So if they're protecting children, they've got to have a higher level of taste buds because you have taste buds so you can detect uh, poisons. Now, that mm-hmm. might be a genetic throwback advantage. Mm-hmm. Might be. Might Evolution. Be. Um, but what facts, fun-filled facts have you got for me, Luke Morris? Ah, oh, I, I found one out um, fairly recently. Um, this is a good one, that uh, you should never buy a wine that has flora or fauna on the label. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's a that's fact or fiction, but it's a it's a wine truth that has served me well over the journey. I was just trying to think of any great wines of the world that do have flora or fauna on the label. Most of most of them just have the name of the winery or a well. The the, the one exception I've found the one exception I've found is Wild Duck Creek Estate. That is the only exception I have found. What's on the label? 
Well, there's ducks and tractors and stuff on the label and vineyards. A, tra- a tractor is not flora or fauna. No, but a vineyard and or ducks are. Oh, you can't. Yeah, if you if you're roping in vineyards, then you're talking about every bloody bottle of Bordeaux in existence. Well, like Pretty I said, much. it wasn't my wine truth. Somebody gave it to me. I use it regularly. Hey, what else you got for me? You, I remember in previous episode, you told me, and this is something that I hadn't heard, but it is absolutely true, and that is the reason, the fun fact about clinking glasses. Oh, yeah. I, I think I said it was actually the Greeks, and you said, ah-ha-ha, uh, no, 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 was actually, who was it? Oh, I don't know if it was. I don't know who who invented it. Um, my understanding of it does go back to um, uh, communal drinking to try and um, be truthful about poison. Um, That's so right. people would always sharing drinks. If if you, I'm I'm giving you a, a drink, so you in my house or I'm visiting you, I'm giving you a drink here, and we're going to clink our glasses so hard enough that the liquid in both glasses will spill into each other's glass, and therefore, um, and you're maintaining eye, maintaining eye contact for those reasons, so that there's no skullduggery involved, and if I'm trying to poison my, you know, my guest, who you know, you say guest, but they they could be, you know. The king or queen or someone or, else, yeah, you yeah. know, you, you, that's just somebody you, you don't know very much, very well, and you do that as a as a sign of faith that you're both going to drink the same, you know, liquid, and you you're both yes. going to if, if 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 there's poison in one, there's poison in both now, and you know it's a sign of trust, so that's that's it's a sign of camaraderie. That's why people do it. And. From Roman times and beyond, still today, the world's largest wine consumers per capita are the Vatican City residents, which each resident consumes 74 litres of wine per year. That's so not if enough. You, if you, <laughs> I, think I, I think you can do more. I can do that in a week. If you think, I cross-referenced this little fact across a couple of websites, and it was pretty close. There was somewhere between 72 and 79 across the is four different websites. Is it just one really drunk person and everybody else is sober? But 74, 74 litres, right? So you work that out. So if you run the numbers on that, okay, so 74 litres of wine per year. So if you decide that, if you divide that by three, 165 days in a year that's a quarter of a bottle a day 200 ish 200 mils 205 mils thereabouts a day so that's a couple of good glasses a day yeah but that's, you know that's doing beautifully that is that that is oh, doing yeah. beautifully they're che- they're cheering the blood of christ mate like, you know the, you know they they use that they use wine for all of their ceremonies so they're um it's no surprise that they're legless. I was amazed by that. And I, in addition to that, I was amazed. And I remember our great friend, may rest in peace, Mick Nippard got me onto this. He got me onto the the wine being made. Not Obviously, wine can be made from not just grapes. But Mick Nippard got me onto the wine, wines of Japan that were being made out of plums, and cherry. Oh, yeah. So you can make wines out of apples. You can make wines out of just about any fruit, really. But 
the plum wine and the cherry wine that came out of Japan. Have you taste, ever tasted any of those? They are oh, exquisite. No, no, no. Where did you get the... So the, oh, no, I, remember, oh, I just I was lucky enough to be at a tasting of a Japanese importer. I mean, he had all type of distillates, including whiskey. But the plum, I walked away thinking these plum wines, they don't have, the plum wines are amazing. They don't have the, like, the, the great structures of some of the other white and red wines of the world, but they do have a long, you know, they have a palate, they have acid, they have some savoury characteristics. They had it all going on, but um, yeah, amazing. Is it fermented so, yeah. to dry? Yep. In most yeah. cases. So wine can be made from other fruits other than just grapes. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, well, technically wine is any fermented fruit. But we yeah. just refer to, we, we, we tend to, or for obvious reasons, we tend to just refer to those made from grapes as, as wine and everything else is referred to as fruit wine, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, what else? You got any other weird and wonderful facts about wine that people flail about with? Ah, uh, do you know the one that jumped to mind, which isn't a fact, is the, the fiction, but it's the fact that people believe to be true. So I overheard, and I was just, I was just, I was having a beer, and I was just like, I'm just going to ignore these people. They were having the old conversation of, um, oh, I can't drink. I can't drink red wine. And somebody said, yes, because of the preservatives. I was like, oh, God. Oh, here we go. Yeah. It's, you, you're comparing something that's 15% alcohol versus something that's 5% alcohol and you're saying that, oh, that one gives me, gives me way more hangover. It's like, yeah, it's because it's got 10 extra percent of alcohol in it. Why <laughs> do you oh, – what, that, that has an impact. It's not preservatives. Whatever, whatever it is. Do you know what a fact is? Whatever it is, it's not preservatives. <laughs> uh, that's that's and, usually the fact. Uh, and we have covered preservatives uh, and additives yeah. on uh, the pod before. Uh, and it's worthwhile going back because it's usually, yeah, preservatives, as we discussed, uh, come in all shapes and sizes wherever you get them, not just wine. But I uh, totally agree there, Lukey Morris. It is usually not the preservatives, but yet how the wine has been handled or yeah the 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 saccharomyces i.e the yeast and how that's been handled as well it's not usually the um it's more more so the additives rather than the preservatives so um, i i read i read a um this is going back 20 odd years when people were complaining about preservatives in wine and then james halliday released a, a thing that was saying uh you you get more in a garden salad so if you're having a glass of wine for garden salad at at a restaurant you're getting more preservatives in that salad. Yeah. And but similar yeah, everyone, to me. Everyone who drinks two bottles of wine and wakes up the next morning for a hangover will say, oh, there's so many preservatives. <laughs> Get your hand <laughs> off the ticket. Similar to me, I had a, um, a master of wine explain to me that very factor that, in fact, if you eat one dried apricot, there is more preservatives in that dried apricot than if you consume the whole bottle of wine. Not that we don't encourage responsible service of alcohol, ladies and gentlemen, but I thought that was a pretty amazing fact uh, as well. Um, you know, so yeah, bear yeah. in mind it's it's well, not dried apricot preservatives. Um, but speaking of how you drink wine, Luke Morris, have okay. I got a topic for you? Go on. Where 
do you drink wine or where do you find people drinking wine and does it affect your palate? This this came about recently. So I, I've been on holidays, I've been away and just tripping the light fantastic and I had to get on a plane. I got on a plane and it was early in the morning and I was on holidays and I thought, you know what, I've checked out. Give me a glass of wine. And I had a glass of wine, a glass of wine that I regularly drink. So I was in the airplane. I was quite familiar with this particular wine. I was up in the skies having a glass of wine. I think this is, this, is, this is lovely. I'm really excited. Poured out the glass of wine, put it in my mouth. It tastes like shoe polish. It was horrible. Yeah. And it got me thinking. I've drunk this wine, fair dinkum. I've drunk this wine in the bath. I've drunk it in the shower. I've drunk it at garden parties. I know this wine inside out. What has changed? Air pressure. Is it just air pressure? Is it the pressure on the bottle? Is it the pressure, dryness of my palate? Is it the pressure of the cabin? Is that is that what it is? Yeah, it's all those things. It's all combined. Yeah, so um, uh, I remember chatting to... Old mate, um, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna use the um, Peter Nixon's name. Yes, Peter Nixon. I can, I can use that. So I won't, I won't call him what I was going to call him. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a good guy. He, he, yes. Um, well, I haven't chat to him for years, but anyway, um, uh, he used to buy wine for Qantas, and he told me once that. Um, Mount Langy, um, in the Pyrenees, yeah, they have. I think it was the Billy Billy, so they changed the blend for for the for the airline versus what they sell on land, because, and I can't remember what it is, mate. I can't remember what it is. I think, I think they have to make it more aromatic. Because your nose shuts down and your nose and your is a, is a great contributor to the oil factory. So you, because they're pumping in kind of oxygen and gases and stuff like that, mm-hmm. stabilization in the cabin. So it just throws off your palate. It throws off your sensory ability to smell things. It throws off your sensory ability to taste things. And, so yeah. So where where do you drink wine? Have you drunk wine any anywhere extraordinarily different and noticed it different? Ah, uh, no. The th- the thing that jumped to mind when you said when you told me when you asked that question was um, the classic case of wine buyers, and we we worked for a company uh, together in Melbourne where the um, yeah. owner got taken out to lunch once, and um, the, the the no shade or um, uh, aggression to the um, salesperson that took. Uh, said owner out to lunch, but um, she did have a um, let's call it a spicy rack, and had a, a little bit on display, and also had a terrible, 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 terrible bottle of Crow's Hermitage to try and encourage him to buy, and so she took him out to lunch in a beautiful restaurant and had charming conversation, and then by the end of the um, the lunch and conversation, the store had about twenty dozen of this terrible, terrible gross hermitage that we just couldn't sell. And it was hilarious arguing with the with the manager about how 
we've tasted it, we don't like it, we can't sell it, the customers don't like it. And he was adamant that it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it until we served it to him blind. And he was like, get that away from me, what is that junk? <laughs> and I was like, this is the thing that's clogging up your store and the thing you're, you're trying to force us to push onto customers who don't want it. <laughs> and his, his, his facement is just, you know, you, you know that thing when the overconfident sort of aggressive person realizes they're actually 100% wrong about something and they just don't know how to engage anymore. They just sort of shut down and then tell you to leave the room. That's what happened. <laughs> yes. It happens. It, ha- it happens to the best um, of us. But I, so I yeah, yeah. It's like, like psychology. You know, there's a lot of psychology affecting how, how you taste wine. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big one for, you know, you, you might take a wine and it might be, there might be a barbecue or I'm a big one for if, if I'm, you know, there's a garden party or a barbecue or whatever. I'm a big wine for, uh, if I'm, if I know I'm going to be standing up and I want to drink something kind of really refreshing, if I'm going around and so, so the same party, but it's a stand up party and there's going to be, you know, finger food and just standing around with a bunch of dads and mums in the backyard, the kids are playing yeah. in the pool or whatever. If I'm standing up compared to if I'm sitting down for a barbecue lunch in the garden, I'm taking two different wines. So where I drink wine is just as important as how I drink wine. This is me personally I'm talking about. Uh, and so I'll make a different decision. If It might be the same garden party, but if it's sit down and stand up, I'll make a different decision on the wine. Is that, well, is that wrong how, or right? No, well, I'm not saying you're wrong or right. I'm, I'm intrigued as to what, what, what's the influence to that decision. So what... What's well, a, what's a stand up wine versus a sit down wine, like Campbell? So, so a, a stand up a stand up wine would be like something juicy and fruited and you know punchy Cabernet Franc from the Loire or you know like McLaren Vale, Barbera, something you know accessible and easy that I don't have to think about. It might have a slight chill on it, you know, that I just don't have to think about. But if I'm sitting down, I might take something you know like a, a something that takes a little bit more time you know i might take a pen noir or i might take a a, a shiraz from heathcote that takes a little bit more complexity a little bit more thinking a little bit more time if i've got time take- but if i'm just if, if i'm just standing up and splashing around having a laugh or whatever i'm not taking yeah. anything complex yeah so what you're telling me is that um if you're going to be at a party where you can walk away from conversations you don't want a wine you have to think about, but if you're going to be stuck with the people around you, you want something to distract you. Exactly. So you want yes. a wine that's actually engaged, <laughs> engages your brain. Exactly. You've played before. <laughs> uh, Same... No, I, I, haven't, I haven't played to this level before, Sensei. <laughs> Same deal. Like drinking, we... we, we, we... We always encourage responsible drinking on this uh, show, but same deal. If I'm in the shower and I'm having a glass of wine, I want something. If you're in the shower, (laughs) I want something that's quick. But if I'm having a bath, I want something that's complex. (laughs) Sometimes you got to practice. Shower wine. Oh, shower wine. Oh, shower wine. Something you know, just quick and riesling. Perfect shower wine. I was going to say bubbles. Surely, surely bubbles. No bubbles. Bubbles. Bubbles are too complicated. You don't get water in your bubbles. Bubbles are too complicated. You don't get water in your reasoning. No, you don't get water in your reasoning. But if it gets in there, it's okay. It tones down the acid a little bit. You know, like okay. beautiful. Yeah. Is it? And so, oh, so you're having a nice cold glass of reasoning while you're in a nice warm shower. 
well, I don't know about you. You're not supposed to have warm showers, cold showers. Get the blood pumping, mate. Just like Riesling, gets the blood pumping. You get excited. If you, if you yeah. have cold showers, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, listening audience, where Bike do you pack. drink wine? Where do you drink wine and does it change for you? That is the purpose of the question. Write into us and tell us. How can people get in touch with us, Luke Morris? Ah, they could um, t- take a shower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just stumped by that. Yeah, no, going to go, go, yeah, go have exercise and go into a group communal shower, um, and then uh, uh, you know you don't want to just go into a communal shower without having done some sort of social grouping exercise or something beforehand. Like that's just, I don't know. I suppose it's not weird. I suppose lots of people used to do that, though, baths and as a as a morning ritual. But while you're having that group communal shower, you could chat to one another and say, hey, how do I get in contact with uh, the people at Luke's Talk Wine? And somebody else might say, oh, yeah, all you need to do is you send them an email, lukestalkwine at gmail.com, and then you can say, cheers, thanks, mate, and then you can do that later on your phone or at your office or you could dm us at luke's talk wine on the gram uh and stay in touch with us on the socials when you want to hear about whatever we're doing in the daytime the gram the gram for our listener question this is people have been hanging on waiting for you and to respond to ian's question ian's from dover heights he writes if wine is subjective and art is for the cultured which is easier to understand wine or art now on the both subjective art is not for the cultured end of question that's such a dumb question on the, pro, on the pro side, Ian is obviously a long-term listener because he knows we have discussed subjectivity before on the pod. But Luke Morris, over to you. <laughs> who, I'll sit back who, and relax. <laughs> whoever thinks that art is specifically for the cultured, art is subjective. Go to any art gallery in the world and if you walk in there and just think that everything in there is accepted by everybody as being you know perfect you're wrong it's the same story of bottles of wine you know it's there, there is no i i went to a, a um, what's it called contemporary art exhibition once and i, I was just there and just by chance the the guy who um uh, was curating the the museum I was just there. I didn't realise he was the curator, and he just asked what do I think of stuff. And I, I just said, I hate that. I like that around the corner, but this main display, I think's I, I think it's rubbish. I really don't like it. And then he told me what he does. But then he also said, I agree with you. Like <laughs> this is very popular. We've had a lot of a big turnout to come see this, but I don't like it. And he said, that's a good thing about art. You don't have to. It's a good thing about contemporary art. There's a lot of risks. You can go and see what you like. Go to Mona, where, uh, what's his name? David Walsh. 
specifically yep. has an app that you go around and you vote whether you like or dislike things in the gallery and he um, keeps everything that people dislikes. That's that's his that's his focus. Like he buys what he likes, but if mm. other people don't like it, he keeps it. He'll sell stuff that other people like. He'll get rid of it. Like it's that subjective. Like it's art. Art is about what motivates and moves you. I loved. I I went to Berlin recently and I went, walked around the art galleries and I was by myself and. All I did was walk into some art galleries and look at some paintings and think, where does this take me? What, 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 what do I think? And some places, some things, nowhere. Didn't think, didn't think anything about it. Just thought, I don't know what's so special about that. And then other things, I was like, that's really cool. It'd be the same thing if you go around vineyards in the Yarra Valley or Heathcote or Mandurup or uh, California and you ran into every cell at all and you'd be like, this this wine doesn't move me. This wine does. I'd drink this. I'd not drink this. It's exactly it's exactly the same. There's no difference. Wine and I art think, are the same. I think in in short, Ian, yes, taste and sight uh, could be interpretive as both subjective and objective. Luke Morrison myself. Sure, we've made a career in, in, in wine, but we don't like everything we taste. In fact, we probably spit more out than we consume. It, But taste conveys the experience of our tongue receptors into our DNA or our psychological experience. It, it's still subjective. The perception of wine, sure, it's in influenced by our experience and our genetic difference but our opinions or our, or our judgment of said subject matter is personal taste mate so it's not yeah. about one or the other it's really about your tastes and your experience you and i could sit down and luke morris too i guarantee and we could taste oh mate um Snoop Doggo's Californian Rosé, Provence Rosé, and we would all interpret that wine very differently as we would interpret the artwork on the label. So I think <laughs> I think to yeah. take it back to your question, which is easier to understand, I kind of agree with Luke Morris in the fact that, uh, that there isn't a real question here. It is wine and it is art, and they are both subjective. I think that I, I, the thing that really annoyed me with the question was saying that you know art has a as a cult as a, a class to it, and I hate anything that people start saying there's a class system around it, and you know we're going to put up some barriers between the posh and the not posh, and let's separate the the riffraff from the uh, the the to do like get staffed like you anybody can enjoy whatever they want they just and, and that's the thing that uh, and i guess that leads into the whole thing of prizes for art and prizes for wine and prizes i i i'm working comedy and this just every so often i i hear someone say who's the best comedian and it's like it's so varied about what kind of styles and things you like 
that to have an award for someone saying this is the best joke is just a dumb thing to do. They're, you know, saying this is the best work of art. And I can tell you, I've, I've, I've had to judge. I've had to judge, judge comedy. I've had to judge um, wines. I've had to judge all kinds of things. I've had to judge who gets grants and who gets onto gigs and lineup shows, who gets things. And there's so much subjectivity that comes into that and some of it's a whole lot of luck. And to say that something is, this is definitely better than that is almost certainly wrong. Like the most famous picture in the world the, the Mona Lisa uh, is only famous because it got stolen at around this white, white time and people were reporting in newspapers that could be moved across the uh, country of America. And America's, you know, the most influential country in the world and therefore it became a, a hot topic and it became the must-see the must item when it got found because everyone wanted to go see this picture that somebody thought was worth stealing and that's why it's famous it's not famous because it's good like quality is so subjective it's not a thing absolutely and ian uh i hope we've answered your question there thanks for listening um but yeah good good, good question stay tuned obviously we cover everything to do with cultures and subcultures and a little (laughs) bit of art along the way that brings us to our final portion of the pod this week and that is you know i've been on holiday so i've basically been drinking tins at 10 o'clock in the shower in the garden on the beach haven't been drinking that much wine in fact my experience on the plane turned me off wine for about a fortnight but uh I will get back on the wine train in the coming weeks, without a doubt. But Luke Morris, what have you been drinking this week, pal? Tins at 10 o'clock. Tins at 10 o'clock. There are no rules on holidays in my book. If you're on holidays, you're on holidays. Tins in the shower. It must be 10 o'clock somewhere. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give a plug to my favourite restaurant in um, Melbourne. Do it. And it's not the best restaurant in Melbourne. It's all subjective. This is just the place I, I really enjoy getting into when I can. Um, uh, the Waiters Club. Do you, do you know the Waiters oh, Club? Oh, Campbell? the Waiters Club. I haven't been to the Waiters Club in ages. Yeah, yeah. Still, still kicking along. Still a, um, no reservations. Just walk up and try your luck. And um, <laughs> I had a, I was sitting there and I was pouring out a glass of wine and somebody walked in. And said, Oh, do you have a table for two? And the, the wait staff looked at me and said, oh, I think I can have a table for you in 15 minutes. And I just thought, You don't know how quickly I can drink this. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon you could have this table in two. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I drinking at the Waiters Club? Um, I took a photograph of it, Pocaccino. Chianti, D-O-C-G. Poggerino, maybe? Pocorino. Yeah, that'd be it. Poggerino. Yeah. Mm. I think I saw that listed somewhere for like $25 a bottle. It's, it's a really bright, colourly label. But uh, yeah. they, they, so, I love the Raiders Club because it's so old school and it's so, um, like, you know, red and white. You get the, what, you get your wine served, like, slapped just 
bung on the table because they're just there to turn over customers and it's served in that stand-up, old Italian stand-up glasses. Yeah. Just nothing, and like good food, good wine, nothing fancy. And love it. It's, uh, but yeah, that was, that was, that was good. Um, I was, uh, I, I was there with a friend and they, uh, when the waiter came over, the waiter was like, uh, I, <laughs> I was going to order a glass and he ordered a bottle. So, <laughs> Yum. Well, Poggerino Classico yeah. is a beautiful wine. Husband and yeah. wife. No, no but husband and wife, brother and sister, they have a farm actually outside Radha. Hey. In Chianti, I've actually been there. It is a delicious. Uh, Where Chianti would I have seen that label in a in a restaurant though? In, in a bottle oh, shop. Yeah, it does get it, sold. It, it's a, it does. It's a. It's a. I can't, it's been a while since I've seen it retail, but you know, it used to retail for about forty five. It's probably around the you know with price oh, okay. increase, it's probably around the fifty five now. But um, oh okay, they they produce a Chianti, a Chianti Classico from their farm, and then a Chianti Classico Reserva, which is from the uh, part of their farm. Yeah, so there's three of them. They've all got yep. similar labels. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I thought I saw it for twenty five, and I thought that was extremely cheap. So it must have been it might have been one of those labeling situations where the label underneath the bottle was actually referring to the bottle below it. Yes. True. True. Anyway. True. Uh, that's that's hey, what I've enjoyed lately. That is a classic, Luke Morris. I love it. That has been season four, episode twelve of Luke's Talk Wine. Thank you, thank you to the listening audience. Thanks for sending questions. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, for, thanks Ian. Thanks for getting involved uh, in some fast wine facts. In where do you actually drink wine? and whether it's subjective or not. This has been Luke's Talk Wine. He's been Luke Morris. I've been Luke Campbell. You can find us on the interweb or via Carrier Pigeon, and we'll be back drinking wine with you sometime in the future. In the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Would you like to be smarter and do good in the world? Luke Morris here. I sold out shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with the Wine Science Show. And now that show is in book form. It's only $15 and 100% of profits go to charity. So donate and learn and laugh with the Wine Science Show book. Go to lukemorrisha.com.au or follow the link in the Luke's Talk Wine Instagram bio.